You see that bottom here? Everything I don't necessarily know what he means by that, but you ready? No, it's um. Huh. Yeah. Hold it. Yeah. Okay. Pass this behind you all the way down. Thank you, everyone. Hi, this is Joe. Can you hear me? I know. I know. I'm, I'm getting slapped. Thanks, Maceo. Can you also? Okay. Got it. Thank you. Thank you. We have a green
Test, 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 test. Okay. Good morning. Welcome to the Washington Ethical Society. I am Levi Lika, my pronouns are they, them, and I'm the officiant today. Today is Wes's annual celebration of love in all its many forms. Our pay attention to Love Day. Our senior leader, Casey Slack, is all in. They are off on their honeymoon. <laughs> And because it's a special day in the life of our community, we're doing some things a little different today. Welcome to everyone to our multimedia platform, whether you're here in the hall or on Zoom or catching the recording later. We're one community unified across time and space, gathering to affirm our values and commit to a better world. If you are on Zoom, please check the chat for a welcome and various tips from Joe Klein, today's Zoom chat usher. And if you're here in the hall and would like an assistive listening device, please ask the sound team at the back of the hall. Visitors, if you're here in person, please stop by the welcome table after platform today to speak to a greeter or to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas. Those of you visiting online now or later, we invite you to send an email to Maceo at M-A-C-E-O-T, Maceo-T, at ethicalsociety.org, or to fill out a connection form, which you can find at tiny.cc slash westconnects. I will now read a few of the gatherings that folks have written in the Zoom chat. Folks joining virtually can use this time to get a candle to light during our candle lighting. Looks like everybody's saying hi this morning. <laughs> Thera Morinus says, good morning, Wes. Trang Dong says, hi, everyone. Big thanks to the tech team for ironing out the snafus. Laura Desculio says, good morning and happy pay attention to Love Day. Dawn says, good morning, everyone. Love, Dawn. Diane Kim says, hello all, and Shirley Storm says, hello, Wes. It is good to connect and share this time together. Our opening words this morning are from James Baldwin. Love takes off the masks that we fear we cannot live without and know we cannot live within. I use the word love here, not merely in the personal sense, but as a state of being or a state of grace, not in the infantile American sense of being made happy, but in the tough and universal sense of quest and daring growth. And now for our opening music from the West Chorus and Band performing Loves in Need of Love today.
Good or evening, friends. Here's your friendly announcer. I have serious news to do. Everybody, I'm about to could be the world's disaster. Change your joy and laughter. Is and may it's that
Welcome once again. Each week we read our statement of purpose as a reminder of our shared values. If you are interested in reading the statement of purpose, sign up at tiny.cc slash read SOP. You can read it here in person or you can make a recording and have it included in a future platform, though it does make it a little difficult to light our community candle in person. <laughs> Today, John Lika, my dad, will be reading our statement of purpose. <laughs> the other way around though. <laughs> Good morning. The Washington Ethical Society is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in, human, in the human spirit. With faith in human goodness, we appreciate each person's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. We warmly invite you to join our community of children and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. As my dad lights our community candle, I invite those of you with candles at home to light yours and for everyone to join in our candle lighting words. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. Today's story for all ages is No Matter What by Debbie Liori. Small was feeling grim and grumpy. Good grief, said Large, what is the matter? I'm grim and grumpy, said Little Small, and I don't think you love me at all. Oh, Small, said Large, grumpy or not, I'll always love you, no matter what. If I were a grizz grumpy grizzly bear, would you still love me? Would you still care? Of course, said Large, bear or not, I'd always love you, no matter what. But if I turned into a squishy bug, would you still love me? Would you give me a hug? Of course, said Large, bug or not, I'd always love you, no matter what. No matter what, said Small with a smile. What if I were a crocodile? I'd still hold you close and snug and tight and tuck you up in bed each night. But does love wear out? Does it break or bend? Could you fix it or patch it? Does it mend? With time together, a smile and a kiss, love can be mended with things like this. But what about when you're far away? Does your love go too, or does it stay? Look up at the stars. They're far, far away, but their light reaches us at the end of the day. 
It's like that with love. May we be close, maybe we far, but our love still surrounds us wherever we are. The end. Let's now enter the centering time of our platform. Each week, we ring this chime in solidarity with people around the world. Today, I am particularly mindful of the tens of thousands in Turkey and Syria who died from the earthquake, and the many thousands more who are struggling to survive in the devastation. I ask that you especially hold in your heart West member Glenn Genkturk, who returned to Turkey with her family in 2020. They are safe but certainly facing many challenges in the coming months ahead. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and to the world around us. Let us open our hearts to compassion for those who suffer. And let us commit ourselves to the work that calls for our love. This morning, we engage in a meta-meditation from the Buddhist tradition. This style aims to cultivate loving kindness, a heartfelt aspiration for unconditional love of all beings. As Sharon Salzberg, leading meditation teacher and author of Loving Kindness puts it, the practice of loving kindness is about cultivating love as a strength, a muscle, a tool, the challenges are tendency to see people, including ourselves, as disconnected, statically and rigidly isolated from one another. Loving kindness is about opening ourselves up to others with compassion and equanimity, which is a challenging exercise requiring us to push back against assumptions, prejudices, and labels that most of us have internalized. The practice consists of repetitions or phrases like, may you be happy, or may you be free from suffering. The scope of meditation gradually increases, at first focusing on oneself, then loved ones, then others, especially who are difficult to love, and finally all beings. I welcome you to close your eyes or soften your gaze, making yourself comfortable as I walk us through this meditation. May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be filled with loving kindness. 
may I be filled with loving kindness. May you be filled with loving kindness. May you be filled with loving kindness. May you be filled with loving kindness. May we be filled with loving kindness. May we be filled with loving kindness. May we be filled with loving kindness. May all be filled with loving kindness. May all be filled with loving kindness. May all be filled with loving kindness. We continue our meditation in silence and in the music that follows. Oh, <laughs> 
For this Sunday's reading, I've selected Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places by David S. Blanchard. Most of us look for love in only the most obvious places. And as a result, most of us come away disappointed. It's as if we are still grade school kids, counting Valentines as measures of what matters. The love that matters is not typically the subjects of sonnets or love songs. There can be love in being told we are wrong. There can be love in sharing a regret. There can be love in asking for help. There can be love in communicating hurt. There can be love in telling hard truths. There can be, most of all, find it painful to live at a level of this love. But it can be there, even in these most unlikely places. It isn't the kind of love we've been promised in the fairy tales of princes and fairy godmothers. But it is the kind experienced by frogs and dwarves. It's the sort of love that can bring us closer to finding the missing pieces of ourselves that we need to make us whole. Some of the most loving things I've ever experienced I haven't been ready for, wasn't looking for, and nearly didn't recognize. A few of them I didn't want, but all of them have changed me, transformed some part of me, filled in a place that I didn't even know was empty. When the valentine has been tucked away in a drawer, the candy eaten, the flowers faded and gone, there will be other legacies of love that will last as long as we do. Because they have brought us together and brought us to know an element of life, part feeling, part idea, part mystery, that once known is ours to keep. This Sunday, our platform presentation will take a different format. Presented by members of the officiant team, Perry Bider, Judy Myers, Karen Schofield-Lika, and Rajesh Vidyaskar, discussing love is a verb. Hello, everybody. <clears throat> so today, as uh, Levi just said, we're going for a different type of uh, structure for the platform, slightly different. Uh, obviously, the theme is love. 
uh, and appropriately, KC and Caitlin are away in Disney World on their honeymoon. And uh, so we got together the efficient team and noodled ideas on what we would do uh, on the theme of love. Perry came up with the idea that we could maybe do a round, uh, round table discussion format. And so we adopted that. We came up with six, what we hope are provocative questions about love. In the first instance, we will uh, share with you some of our personal perspectives on those questions and uh, stories about our lives that connect with that. And not all of four of us will speak to every question. We haven't practiced this. We don't know what the other persons are going to say. So we're going to be uh, uh, responding in the moment. Uh, later in the platform, we will break into small groups and uh, the community as a whole will have a chance to discuss whatever comes up for them on the basis of the platform or something else uh, so that we can add to the sum total of what everybody's thinking on the theme of uh, love. Uh, Judy came up with the catchy phrase for the title for this platform, which is love is a verb. So let's begin. Uh, I'll read the first question and then we'll take turns as we go along. The first question is, in learning about love, who has been a positive or negative role model for you? And I'll pass on that one. <laughs> um, so I will say that uh, my parents, um, and in particular, my mother is a great role model as somebody who mostly what I've really been impressed by is her ability even when being actively unloved by people. And she has been experienced, unfortunately, some very challenging relationships and uh, dynamics. And yet in the face of that, she has been able to remain loving, not only generally, but even to that person who has, I would say, harmed her. The person who really represented uh, love for me growing up was my aunt, my father's sister, who uh, was one of the things she was famous for was always knowing the exact correct size of clothing <laughs> that anyone needed, no matter how long it had been since she had seen them. <laughs> but she really was the person who just, she had three sons. And so she really enjoyed having a female to, uh, to, love and but she really demonstrated just sweetness and um real unconditional love so my father is both a positive and a negative role model for me when it comes to love uh, alita knows this um he didn't listen very well and he and my mother didn't always communicate very well he had uh, kind of a short temper and they would argue about the stupidest things like uh, who was remembering some past incident correctly. On the other hand, um, he was completely devoted to my mother. And as she aged and had more infirmities and needed more care to live at home as she wanted to do, he was a rock. Uh, he took care of her so well. Um, she couldn't have lived as long without him. 
And by the time she died, they had been married 62 years. So they must've been doing something right. So I have a second question, which is when have you seen love be transformative? And I will take this one, right, since I have the mic at the moment. And the first example that, of course, comes to my mind is Martin Luther King Jr. of somebody who had devoted his life to really using the power of love to challenge and change unjust situations. And I think that his legacy speaks for the power of that love. But who else has an example? Harry? Well, this is kind of on a much... Uh, smaller scale, but I think it's the same phenomenon. Um, I'm thinking of Daryl Davis. Um, those of you who have been here for some years have heard Daryl talk. This is an African-American man. Uh, I think he was born in Jamaica, uh, somewhere outside of the U.S. Uh, he's a R&B musician, has played you know, with all the greats. Um, but when he came to the U.S. and encountered racial prejudice for the first time, he was kind of puzzled what the hell is this? Um, and in a spirit of curiosity, he decided to explore it. So he used his, I don't know, musical um, uh, ins uh, to set up meetings with individual members of the Ku Klux Klan. And I don't know if you want to call this love exactly, or just the power of humanity and meeting people where they are and listening with an open heart. But he has gotten to know many members of the Klan who have gotten to know him. And in many cases, those people have resigned from the Klan from meeting him and finding out that some of their assumptions about Black people were just plain wrong. Uh, he has a book out called Clan Destin Relationships, K-L-A-N Destin Relationships. And if you haven't encountered him or, you know, you could find him on YouTube or whatever, but a uh, fascinating story. Um, also a family story. Um, my dad's uh, second wife, my stepmom, whose name is Judith, um, um, really transformed him, I believe. Um, she really helped him to become a happier person, um, someone who could really appreciate life and, and joy um, in a way that I don't think he had before. And so I very much appreciate her. She stuck by him as well through years of, of declining health um, and was able to have him stay at home. So I, I love the fact that we're going big and we're going small as well. It's fantastic. The one that uh, comes to mind is, uh, I'm from India, um, Mahatma Gandhi. And um, at the time of uh, partition between India and Pakistan, uh, riots broke out uh, both in the West as well as in the East. The uh, tragedy on the uh, on the on the western side of India is very well documented um, and uh, of gigantic proportion. But I'd like to talk about what happened on the eastern side uh, in Bengal, where uh, riots had broken out, and there was fear that there would be mass bloodshed. Mahatma Gandhi, the simple, frail, gigantic guy. 
uh, actually traveled to the city of Calcutta, lived in the house uh, of uh, a Muslim opponent to the Congress party. And for the entire period of another three weeks, lived there and fasted and prayed for restoration of peace between Hindus and Muslims. And it's an amazing act of love because single-handedly he was able to change the tide uh, of violence um, and, and restore peace. So our next question is, how do you replenish your capacity to love? I too will pass on this one. Someone else have a, a response they want to share? So, um, Judy, I'll quote this back to you. Love is a verb. And, and, and I think when I read this question, uh, I think the way replenishment comes to me is to actually do love. And I've often found that when I'm having a problem with somebody, doing love, sounds weird, no? Um, uh, doing love is a way of overcoming the restrictions that one imposes on oneself. Okay, moving on to our next question. How have you handled the challenge of self-love? Uh, I have a story about this one. Um, when I was a child, I had a picture book called Dr. Goat. And this was a story about a goat who, with an MD degree, apparently, uh, <clears throat> who went around to all the other animals in the forest uh, making house calls. So, you know, this was fantasy. Um, treating their various injuries and illnesses. And when Dr. Goat got sick, all the other animals in the forest came to take care of him. And I overlearned the message from this story that the way to really justify my existence was to try always to be helping other people. Now, there's nothing wrong with helping other people, except when you think you have to do it, except when you're trying to fit all of your relationships into the mold of you being the helper all the time. Finally dawned on me that, oh, maybe I don't have to do that. And it was shortly after that, that I had my first real adult relationship. So I think there was a connection there with that light going off. Um, Another tool that I have used is thinking about what I would tell somebody else in that situation. It's often a lot easier to be loving to somebody else than it is to myself. So um, one of my uh, biggest, well, uh, an ADHD coach of mine says it's a between the ears problem. Um, and um, what I try to do is have self-empathy and recognize that, I, you know, 
I have all these lovely tools that I've got and I don't use them. Um, <laughs> and so I forgive myself for, or at least when I remember to, I forgive myself for not doing it right and come back again and again. Yeah, I'll say similarly, I was thinking kind of along lines of Perry's second comment in that um, I think often we're our own worst critics. And here at West, we talk a lot about that inner critical voice and trying to replace that and recognizing the inherent worth of every person. And so pausing sometimes when I'm most critical of myself and thinking, would I say that to a friend or someone I love? I would never say that to them. And how would I treat them? And try to apply that to myself. It's harder to do still, but that's my attempt anyway. So growing up, um, I had no problem recognizing the inherent worth of everybody, but I had real problems recognizing my own inherent worth. Um, and partly that was because of growing up and realizing and recognizing that I was gay in a, in a homophobic world and constantly, um, underrating myself and feeling ashamed of myself and uh, holding myself back and attempting to fit into other people's worlds and lives uh, rather than uh, step out on my own. Uh, I think it's wonderful that times have changed, uh, but, uh, but it's amazing that even though one has an insight about something like that, right, it's really difficult to keep practicing it it rears its head all the time, especially in uncomfortable different circumstances. So I do have to remind myself about that even now. Uh, so I'll get to the uh, next question. It says, tell me about a time when you felt challenged to love or to be loving. I'll, I'll pass. <laughs> Um, so not to get overly political, but the last administration was very difficult to love. Um, yeah, I still don't think I've gotten there. <laughs> um, when my mother died, 1998, I think, um, I believe that my sister, my middle sister thought my mother had always been sort of the black, the the scapegoat for everything that was wrong or unpleasant in our family. Um, and I believe that my sister thought she needed a new uh, demon and I got elected. Um, and um, so it, it has been, well, it's been a long time. Um, uh, I continue to try and make inroads and we've, sort of, uh, she's willing to speak to me now. Um, but I have uh, just kind of never given up hope um, that it can get better. It has gotten better. I um, don't expect it'll ever get back to where it was when we were growing up, but um, I just keep going at it. Well, I'm, I admire you for keeping going at it. Um, I can't say that I've really done the same thing with my brother, uh, who is a uh, Trump supporter. Um, 
I, I even wonder if he is mentally ill. And I say that because of some of the conversations we we had uh, before I gave up on this, uh, where it seems like there was you know, a disconnect from reality. Um, my brother once uh, was ranting about how, uh, you know, there was this uh, shooting in the synagogue on Yom Kippur in, I forget, somewhere in Germany, maybe. Um, and the Eastern media didn't want you to know about it. I sent him links to articles from the Post, the Times, the major networks, NPR. No acknowledgement. And this happened a second time, you know, a year later. It's like, what is going on here? So, you know, I just keep him at arm's length. Uh, I don't know what else to do. Um, we have one more question. Yep. So our final question is, what have you learned about love from Wes? And I'll go first on this one too. Um, so I learned about parenting at Wes. Um, I think when I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the proof in the pudding. Um, I, uh, <laughs> Um, when I first came to Wes and uh, John then eventually also started coming to Wes, we were in a phase of like, uh, we were not going to be parents. Um, and I had fabulous parents, really, truly fabulous parents for which I'm very blessed. And I thought I could never rise to that occasion, to that bar. And um, not that there are not fabulous parents here at West. There are fabulous parents here at West. But what I really learned sort of two things. One is that there are a thousand ways to be a parent. And and do all kinds of other things too, right? And so that example, being able to see lots of examples and also being able to see people like working at it, right? Like you try, you make mistakes, you blow it up badly, you fix it, all those kinds of things. So I really learned a lot about um, love being a verb <laughs> for sure. Um, and I also will say that um, the, the food brigade, you know, right? that whole like everybody rushes in to take care when someone is in need or to celebrate together. Um, and so that whole very much, it takes a village and all the things that this community does in terms of helping to reinforce our values and be an extended family to our offspring is very valued. So uh, this is this is really important to me because um, I think I have finally discovered a community where, for the most part, I'm seen. Uh, as an individual human being. Um, and I feel as if I can show myself as a full person in whatever respect, uh, whether it is as a gay married man or as a person who was born and lived abroad for many years and came here fairly late in life. Um, or as a as an individual contributor as a fun person as a whatever and it's it's a tremendously rich soup to swim in so thank you wes um i too find um great joy uh, in the 
in the the circle of of um care here um i find that i truly enjoy singing in the chorus i really enjoy being an officiant because I have fun doing it. And apparently I communicate that because people come up to me afterwards and say, hey, great job, which means I enjoy doing it more. And um, it really, it, it, I get to, um, as Rajesh says, be, be a fully who I am and um, get really excellent feedback um, for that. And I just, I, I truly enjoy my participation here and the the responses I get. So um, I love being here and I love doing love. It I guess I'm going to get the last word. Um, as I thought about this question, something very specific came to mind. And that's one of the first things that I learned here at Wes back taking the relationship building class that we had here and that was that conflict in a relationship is actually a good thing if you do it right, because it is by working through conflicts that you strengthen and deepen and develop the relationship. That has been a really valuable lesson. So thank you all for your attention. And we will turn it back to our officiant for the officiants. Thank you again so much, Harry, Judy, Karen, and Rajesh. In a few minutes, we will have our community sharing time, but we'll be doing so differently than usual so that you can have a rich experience together. While we listen to today's musical response, you might prepare by reflecting on your own answers to the questions posed by the panel.
This is the time when we add our own voices to the morning, sharing our reflections on the platform or what resonates with your personal experience. First, let me explain the special format for today. So please don't start moving around until I've completed the description. Those in the room are invited to form pairs or trios and share with those partners your own answers to the questions posed by our panel. Please begin by saying your name, your pronouns, and please keep your comments brief so that others have a chance to share. For our online participants, I invite you to share in the Zoom chat or in the comments of the video if you're watching the recording later. We'll have 10 minutes for this sharing time. I will ring the chime halfway through, then give a two minute warning so that partners can share the space so all get to speak. Zoom participants, this offers a chance for you to share more extensively and to have a dialogue amongst online participants. You may begin. <laughs>
Look at that. Good job, everyone. <laughs> Thank you all to who shared their thoughts and attention. Just as we share our perspectives in this community, so too do we share our resources and gifts. Here at WES, we split all undesignated gifts in the Sunday collection between our operating budget and a fund dedicated to justice and compassion. This month, we're sharing half of the offering with Remora House, DC. Centered in multi mutual aid principles, Remora House provides material support and advocacy for unhoused and recently unhoused people in Washington, DC. People with disabilities are disproportionately likely to be unhoused. Providing direct assistance and support to our unhoused neighbors is a vital part of the work of doing the work of disability justice. So let us all take a moment to prepare to respond to the invitation of generosity. For those who are able to respond, we offer several options. As noted on the screen, the number to give by text is 202-335-1885. And you can donate online as well via tiny.cc slash gives. 
or by clicking give on our website, ethicalsociety.org. You may also place cash or a check in the basket at the back of the hall on your way out, or you can always send a check by mail. We thank you for your generosity, and we will now receive gifts of music. You take ego to war again. We assume we know so much more than them. Or we hear what they have to say. Headline breaks. We start to hate again, calling their names again. We give our peace away. I hope they see. I don't see. Thank you. 
Thank you so much to the many people who helped create this morning's time together. Staff members Ndara Miles, Robin Kravitz, Tamara Bergani, and Maceo Thomas. Interim music coordinator Leah Morris and the West Chorus and Band, and our platform production team, the tech team members, slide artists, Zoom chat usher, and in-person greeters, whose names you will see on the closing credits slide. At the conclusion of the platform, please join us for a social hour in person around the foyer. First though, I want to mention a few things upcoming in the life of our community. West families and youth are encouraged to connect with the middle schoolers from the UU Church of Westport, Connecticut during their project visit and stay at West February 17th through 20th. Here are some of the opportunities for all to connect with visitors. On Saturday at 5 p.m., members are welcome to spend the evening with the group connecting and watching a thought-provoking documentary and followed by, by a discussion. On Sunday at 1.15 p.m., all are welcome to join the group on their visit to the National African American History and Culture Museum here in D.C. Please let Ndara know if you are interested in joining as there are only 17 spots still available. You can email Ndara at Ndara, N-D-A-R-A-M, at ethicalsociety.org. If you are looking for an experience that could possibly change your life, join the WES and Global Connections 2023 delegation traveling to El Rodeo, our sister community in El Salvador. This is the 17th year accompanying our friends in friendship and solidarity. Each annual delegation involves cross-cultural and social justice work, exploring lush green hills and getting to know the amazing people of El Rodeo. Delegation dates are from June 21st through July 3rd, and applications are being accepted now. For more information, you can contact Peggy, you can contact Peggy Gates when looking her up on our members' contacts, Gates is spelled G-O-E-T-Z. This list can be found on the members area at ethicalsociety.org, or you can search for Global Connections on the website. Also, I want to remind all of you of an email that was sent from Trish Whale. Trish is leading an effort to reach out and reconnect members who we haven't seen at West for a while since the pandemic. Trish needs volunteers for this outreach, and if you would like to help, please contact her. Her contact details are also in the address book in the Members West section of the website.
Trish is also here today and you can connect with her in person in the lobby this morning. That is the conclusion of today's announcements. And as always, you can find information about opportunities to connect in the West Sunday links or news and notes emails or on the calendar page of Wes's website, ethicalsociety.org. I thank you all for being part of Platform today, whether in person, via Zoom, or watching later. I now invite you to sing together in our song of the month. Speaking of opportunities to change your life, I <laughs> uh, just want to let everybody know the chorus will sing again in April. In March, on March 26th, members of the chorus will be providing the music, but not the chorus as a whole, which means that we'll have at least six rehearsals before we sing again in April, which means that this is a good jumping on point or um, re-jumping point. Anyway, um, if you would uh, like some more time before having to uh, uh, do a platform, uh, this is a good chance to do that. Uh, you're welcome to come to rehearsal on Wednesday. Um, yes. Uh, for those of us who have been longtime members, uh, the chorus has tried to reproduce uh, as closely as possible the Doris Justice version of uh, Give Yourself to Love. Uh, feel free to sing along the whole thing. If you are newer uh, and you don't know the song yet, You'll get four chances at the refrain. I'm sure you'll pick it up.
A few last reminders before we leave. If you are new to our community, please send an email to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas, and introduce yourself. For those who wish to socialize online, to reach virtual coffee hour, point your browser to tiny.cc slash westcoffeehour. I now invite you to join me in our closing words for the month. Let us go out into the week ahead with compassion, understanding, and commitment, extending love to ourselves, our communities, and the world with dedication to justice that is truly for all. Again, thank you all for joining today's platform. We look forward to connecting again with you soon.